We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. So let's talk about the church. Matter of fact, when you begin thinking about the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, you realize that everybody was wondering, who is this guy? Where did he come from? What does he stand for? Who is he supposed to be? And as you begin to look at that and read it, you begin to realize that uh, there was a lot of different answers. Nicodemus in John chapter 3 came to Jesus by night. He didn't really want anyone to know that he was searching Jesus out. So he came at night and he said, really, we know you came from God because no one does the things you do except they be sent from God. But who are you really? John chapter 4, Jesus stopped at the well in Samaria. And there was a lady there drawing water at a very odd time of the day. And he asked her for something to drink. And her first question was, well, who are you that you would even talk to me? And then he told her, if you knew who I was, you'd ask for the water that I have. And she thought, well, what are you going to do to draw the water out of this deep well? And then finally, through the conversation, she began to say, I think you may even be a prophet. She was saying, who are you? Who are you? So as we walk through the scripture, we have to ask that same question. Who is Jesus Christ and what is this thing we call the church? Finally, in our text this morning from Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? You know what he's asking for? He's asking for the word on the street. What are people saying about me? What's the gossip? What's the rumors? What's the buzz? What do people say about me? So we can pick it up in verse 13 of Matthew 16, and we'll read it together. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you will are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Listen to that phrase right there, three words, build my church. Because that's going to be the linchpin of this series, build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. As we read this passage of Scripture this morning, we have to ask ourselves, what is the church? What do you think? How would you define the church? What does it look like? Who is it for? What did Jesus really mean when he said, I will build my church? Now, we do understand he wasn't saying, I will build it on Peter, but rather upon Peter's confession. His confession being, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the promised one, the sent one, the anointed one. You are the Savior of the world. You are the one who is coming to revolutionize everything that we have known to this point. From your life forward, everything has the potential to be different because you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, when we think about church today, I think a lot of us are confused. A lot of us think church is a building, a sanctuary, a place that we go to. Sometimes we think it's a place where we go to worship or a place where we go to serve. 
But really, I've come to tell you this morning, the church really isn't a place, but the church is a people. The church isn't an address, but the church is the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and me. We need to understand that when we think about the church and we can find that definition to a physical location or to a physical being or building, we are denigrating. We are in all ways lessening what Jesus promised in our text this morning. Jesus wasn't talking about building a physical building when he said, I will build my church. He was talking about doing a spiritual work in my life and in your life that transforms us from the inside out, that enables us to identify as sons and daughters of God, that causes us to know we have a hope that transcends this world because you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, I look around today and I realize that when we talk about the church, most people still think about a physical place. A building. Or you hear them say all the time, well, I joined the church. Well, how do you join the church? Do you walk down the aisle and fill out a card and the pastor shakes your hand and says, welcome, now you're a member of the church? That's the way a lot of folks do it. But can I tell you, that's not the church of Jesus Christ. We talk about the church and we think, well, you know, church starts at 1030. If I'm there by 11, I'll be there in time for the preaching. And then I can be at the restaurant by 1145. We think of the church in those terms. That's not the church either, my friend. By the way, if you're here this morning thinking you're going to get out in time to beat the Baptist to the cafeteria, you're already late. You're already late. You're not going to make it. When we think about the church, we have a definition or an ideology that does not align with the scripture. Jesus said, I will build my church. He was not saying, I'm going to take concrete blocks and put together a building that will be here in Jerusalem where for years to come, you can come back and worship at this point because I built my church. Listen to me, friend, in the life of every organization that we call a church, there are many different locations. I mean, this church is in its fourth location in its 105 years. Did you realize that? So we cannot tie a church to a building because if we do, when we leave that particular facility, in our mind and in our spirit, we've suffered a loss. That's not what the church is. We have to understand the church is not black carpet and tan pews or theater seats. It's not stage lighting and video projection. That's not the church. The church is none of those things. And if that's our definition, then this is what's going to happen. The church will always fail you. The church will always disappoint you. The church will always make you mad. The church will always cause you to say, it's just full of hypocrites. I don't need to go back anyway. Because that's your definition of the church. But if you really begin to understand the promise that Jesus made, you begin to understand he wasn't talking about buildings. He wasn't talking about brick and mortar. Matter of fact, he uses the word ecclesia. And that's translated in all the modern versions from the King James forward as church. I'm going to tell you that's an improper translation. Oh my goodness, he just said it wasn't right. It's not right. Because it doesn't mean church as in a building, a facility. Ecclesia actually means called out ones. It's talking about you and me. Do you understand this is a great prophecy that Jesus gave concerning you and concerning me? He looked down through the 
pages of time. And he said, in 2017, there are going to be called out ones who have believed in my name, who've been forgiven of their sins, whose lives have been transformed, and they are my church. They are the ecclesia, the called out ones. The assembly is another way to translate that word. Jesus, when he said, I will build my church, was not talking about something that looks like this. He was not talking about an organization or an institution. Matter of fact, did you realize when you read history, the church had no legitimacy. The church of Jesus Christ, the way, this movement, had no legitimacy until the 4th century A.D. Until that time, it was an outlaw organization. Until that time, it was underground. Until that time, it was highly persecuted and thought to be a false religion. But in the 4th century, a Roman emperor by the name of Constantine converted to Christianity and legalized the church. And it only, listen, you need to hear this. Until that time, the church was thriving because it was underground. It was not accepted. It was not an institution. It was a movement. It was the power of God through men and women, just like you and me. It was believers hearing the word, accepting the word, believing the word, living the word, and their lives were being changed. Now, they had to meet in houses or brush arbors or tents or under a shade tree. Sometimes in caves, in catacombs, they met wherever they could meet to share the experience of knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That was the church. But it only took 10 years from the time Constantinople actually legalized the church until the church went from being a movement to being an institution. And when the church became an institution, all the trappings of man began to filter in as well. All the trappings of royalty and emperor worship begin to filter in as well. All those things that have nothing to do with God and everything to do with promoting man begin to infiltrate the church. And the definition began to change and it only took 10 years for that to occur. It's amazing, isn't it? So when I read Matthew 16 and I hear Jesus say, upon your confession, Peter, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, he wasn't talking about an organization. He wasn't talking about a denomination. He wasn't talking about a group of men getting together to form a new church. He was talking about the spirit of the living God indwelling you and me, empowering you and me and causing us to make a difference in our society. That's the church. When you look at that statement in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will build my church. The word build is a construction term. And he was saying, I am really going to put the pieces together. Those pieces will be men and women, boys and girls of every color, every creed, every language, every nation around the world. And they will be my church. He said, I'm going to call black. I'm going to call white. I'm going to call Hispanic. I'm going to call Chinese. I'm going to call every people group on the face of the earth to be a part of the called out ones. And I will build my ecclesia, the called out ones. You see, we need to understand that when we come back to the institutional church, some of you aren't welcome. Let me rephrase that. Some of us are not welcome because our heritage is not acceptable. 
because the color of our skin doesn't fit in that congregation. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. So if this offends you, just strike it out and write it up to that crazy oak. Will you do that? There is a church south of town that's the title is White Baptist Church. Somebody ought to close that place down. They don't get it. It's not about the color of your skin. It's about does Jesus live in your heart and in your life? Well, come on, church. The church is not black. The church is not white. The church is not Hispanic. The church is not Asian. The church is the blood born again through Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, upon this rock, I will build my church upon your confession that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. So the word build is a term that's used in construction. Now, if I were to start building a house and use it, use concrete blocks to build it, and I got up about this high and I realized I was out of materials. So I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, these, these lower blocks, you know, they've been here long enough. Uh, I can probably pull some of them out and stack them on top and we'll be okay because it's strong enough. So if I started knocking blocks out of that second course and laying them on top, what's going to happen? It's going to fall apart, isn't it? The wall is going to fall down. Here's the application. The church of Jesus Christ is not built, and please don't be offended by this. It's simply an observation that's true in our culture. And if you'll think about it, you will agree with it. The church of Jesus Christ is not built with Sally and Sam coming from evangel to Christian heritage. Well, I love the way you're shouting now. The church of Jesus Christ is not built by moving from one congregation to another and calling it our church home. The church of Jesus Christ is built not with recycled materials from the bottom. It's built with brand new material, brand new believers coming to the kingdom of God, accepting him as the Lord and Savior, being baptized and seeing him do a great thing in their heart and in their lives. Come on, don't tell me you have church growth when really all you're doing is moving a few saints around. That's not growing the church. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Go into every nation, teach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was their assignment to go find new converts, to go find new disciples. Our vision statement at Christian Heritage is very simple. We're here to reach all men by all means. And I could tack on to that. We're not here to coddle Christians. We're to reach all men by all means. Listen, folks, there comes a point in our life as believers where we stop being offended by everything. We plug into the power of God and we let God cause us to bring growth into his church. You just need to think about that for a little while. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, the Bible tells us that everyone was in awe. Speaking of the reaction The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and so many coming to God, everyone around was in all the wonders and signs done through the apostles. All the believers lived in a wonderful harmony. If you want to pray a prayer for not only this fellowship, but every fellowship, pray that we dwell together in unity. Because the Bible tells me in Psalm 131 how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And verse 3 says, it is there God commands the blessing. 
Oh, come on, church. We need to recognize we are not, we are not here to do our own thing, support our own way, promote our own ministry, put myself on the platform. We are here to work together, to live in unity, to build the church of Jesus Christ. And it only comes when we live in unity. So let me ask you something this morning. What do you think when you hear the word church? And for those of you with a pen in a hand, by the way, all of you should have a pen in your hand because you need to be taking notes. Because you need to know that what I'm saying to you is accurate. So when I give you a scripture, you need to write it down and go home and read it later and say, did that really apply? When I make a statement, write it down and then think it through and say, God, what are you speaking to me through this? You see, this thing of church, it's not about coming and singing four songs and taking an offering and listening to a sermon. That's the institutional version. But being the ecclesia means that when we come together, we receive strength. We receive encouragement. We are edified and built up because we're with those of like precious faith. We hear from the Word. We talk about the Word. The Word invades our heart. The Word springs root within us and brings eternal fruit and eternal life. That's what church is supposed to be. It's not an hour and a half on Sunday morning. We'll get into that in just a moment. Think about it. What do you think the church is? When you hear that, what do you think? What is my definition of the church? 2820 Sherrill Road, that's the church. Christian Heritage, that's the church. What is your definition of the church? You need to ask yourself that. Think about it. I'm going to be challenging you on that every single message over the next few weeks because until we understand who and what the church really is, we will never be who and what the church is supposed to be. Amen. Thank you for all three of you. You're not deterring me. I'm going on down this road. You're welcome to come along with me. You see, for church, for some, church is nothing more than a way to soothe the guilty conscience. I can do what I want, live as I will. Then on Sunday morning, I come in, I give God an hour, an hour and a half, put a little money in the offering, and I'm good for another week. Are you kidding me? Do you not understand that's just like the Mosaic Law and the system of sacrifices? God, I done messed up again. Here is a bull to atone for my sins. God, I already messed up again. Here, take this sparrow to atone for my sins. Friend, when we see church as nothing more than an avenue to ease our guilty conscience, we miss the point. Because the ecclesia contains the power of God that brings us to salvation. The ecclesia in whom the Holy Spirit dwells enables us to be transformed day by day by day by day so that I can say this Sunday, I'm not the same guy I was last Sunday. So I can say next Sunday, I'm not the same guy I was this Sunday. Or does someone hear what I'm saying? It's not about soothing your guilty conscience. Coming to church and being a part of the ecclesia is about receiving power to make you righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's what it's all about. You can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 and 23, when Saul kind of get, got messed up in his perspective of what it was all about. God said, go destroy the Amicalites. And so he went with the army and then he came back and he said to Samuel, I've done everything God said. And Samuel said, then why do I hear these sheep and oxen? Why do I see these spoils? And you know what Saul said to him? Well, I just kept a little bit of the best. I just improved on God's plan. How many of us have ever done that? 
I know what you said, God, but I think this might be a bit, a little bit better way of doing it. So I'm going to tweak your plan just a little bit. Listen to what Samuel said to him from 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23 from the message. Samuel said, do you think all God wants are sacrifices? Empty rituals just for show. Now listen, if you think church is just about soothing your guilty conscience, hear this statement. He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing, not staging a lavish religious production. Woo! That preacher's pretty harsh this morning. Listen, friends, I don't care if you show up in blue jeans or shorts or if you're dressed in the finest suit. I don't care what you look like. What I want to know is what are you taking home after we've been together? How is it changing your life every single day? It's not about a lavish religious production. When I hear people say, well, you need to do something about that music. You know what it tells me? We're on the wrong path. When our people say, well, you need to do something about the children's ministry or something about the youth ministry or something about uh, how you preach, it tells me we're on the wrong path. Listen, folks, this is going to hurt. It's not about you. It's about the Christ who lives in you. He said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, if you feel like you're losing the war with the devil, check the foundation. Check the foundation because the word says Jesus promised and prophesied if you build your life on the rock, the winds will not affect you. The rains will not affect you. The problems of life will not overcome you if you build on the rock. And the rock is thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the rock. He said, Peter, you will build upon Others come because the church is a social club, a place to hang out. I get to see all my friends and they've got free coffee. Aren't you glad we've got free coffee? Yeah, you're just like the guy in the video. There better be coffee. It's always here, folks. Just relax. If you need caffeination before you can worship, we got you covered. There better be free coffee. I want to hang out in the coffee shop and talk to my friends. I want to stand in Main Street and talk to my friends. By the way, okay, here I go again. Man, I'm just getting in trouble today. You may be doing a recall before I leave this morning. If you come to church to sit on Main Street, by the way, those of you out there, listen, I'm talking to you. If you come to church to sit on Main Street so you can read your latest Christian novel, you got it all wrong. You're not going to get something out there. You got to get in here. Be with the ecclesia, the body of Christ, so that you can receive power from on high. You can say amen or say oh me. I really don't care. So that's what happens when I go back to Oklahoma. This stuff just gets really rough. Some people come because it's a way to serve the poor. And I'm so thankful for every benevolence ministry we have. I'm thankful for the partnership with Good Samaritan and that we can feed a thousand people every Wednesday morning. I'm thrilled for that, but that's not the church. And that's not the reason we exist. Others think the church is an institution, that I own it. I've been here longer than anybody else. Do you know I've served my time 57 years? I like that phrase. When I typed it in my notes, I thought, that's really quite apropos. Serve my time. Because when that's your attitude, you are a prisoner of your own theology. A prisoner of your own religion. 
Oh, come on, folks, realize we're not here to serve our time. We're here to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're here to be the body of Christ, the ecclesia that is filled with the spirit of the living God. I've served my time. I've been here longer than anyone. I'm here to tell you, I've heard this, not here, but in another church. I'm here to tell you, I was here before you came and I'll be here after you're gone. And you know what they were? One of the reasons I was gone. Come on, we need to understand attitudes affect our definition of what the church really is. And if we think we own the church or own the ministry, or we have bought our way in through our giving, we are wrong. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Doug Apple and his WOW team have done a great job with a video defining what the church really is. Matter of fact, Doug, are you here this morning? Right there at the back. Would you stand up? I just want to thank you publicly. This is an excellent video that Doug and his team put together. It's a man on the street video. What is the church? Guys, are you ready? Play this for me. Watch it and listen. church is a feeling. Um, it's not an actual building. It's being able to give thanks to God and His Son wherever you are. In my opinion, church is a place where you go to serve the Lord and to to get right with God. Church to me is just a place where I can go escape, you know, just talk to God and just, you know, just tell Him what I'm going through, how He can help me, um, just tell Him what He got to tell me and in a way, just escape, you know, from the world, just be yourself and just really worship the Lord all together as one. My opinion of church is, it's like sorry you can worship God and tell where you're going through. The church, I think, is uh, uh, everybody is the church because the church is the, is like each of us, because the church is the body of Christ. And then um, for me, the church is... Each uh, each person is the church. It's not it's not a place. The, the 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 place is where we go and worship God. But the church, the real church, is like each person that has Jesus on on them heart. I am the church. Well, I am the church. The church is not a building. The church is us as Christians. church isn't about me solving my conscience. The church isn't about me serving the poor. The church isn't about me doing my time. But the church is about Jesus Christ. It's about the Son of the living God who died and rose again from the dead, coming to live in you and in me, choosing to take up residence in our hearts and in our lives. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, the spirit who raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. You are the church. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the ecclesia, a member of the called out ones. You are the assembly of the saints if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. So when we boil the church down to a building or a ministry, or a group of people that meet in a certain place. We're perverting the definition of Matthew chapter 16. 
Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why are churches weak and anemic? Why are churches split and dividing? Why are churches filled with hypocritical people who would rather fight than switch? If you remember that old commercial. Why does that happen? It's because we're not on the foundation and we don't understand who we are. We are children of the Most High God who have been bought with a price according to Romans chapter 8 verse 20. Therefore, we should glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. Tom, would you come back, please? We need to understand what the church really is. It's not a building. It's not a denomination. You are not Presbyterian or Lutheran or Methodist or Baptist or Pentecostal holiness or Assemblies of God or charismatic or independent or non-denominational. You're a child of God. The same name hangs over every one of us, and it's purchased by His blood. Bought with a price. It's not about how you were raised, whether you were raised Catholic or whether you were raised Protestant. It's about who you are in Him. It's about knowing that the church of Jesus Christ is not a building. It's not a familiar structure. It's not your family and your family only. But rather the church as Jesus defined it is a living, breathing organism. It's a living, breathing entity filled with the life of Christ. And because that life is in us, we then receive the power to bring others into that relationship. The founding of the church, listen to me, and I'm wrapping this up. The founding of the church is not built on teachings or dogma or doctrine. The founding of the church is built on one thing, and that is the fact that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. The church lives and breathes on the fact that he is no longer dead but is living and is alive forevermore. The church lives because he lives. I live because he lives. You live because he lives. The church is alive. Church isn't brick and mortar. Listen, folks, we can move to a tent and still be the church of Jesus Christ. We can move to a storefront and still be the church of Jesus Christ. I preach to tens of thousands in Latin America under a tent over my head, an open air over theirs, and they were the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ. I can preach under a shade tree in Africa, and they are the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ. We don't need fancy worship. We don't need all the instruments. All we need is the understanding that I am blood-bought. I am born again. I am purchased with a price. I am a child of the Most High God. I don't come to church. I am the church. I'm not a part of a church. I'm not a member of a church. I'm the ecclesia, a called-out one. I am one that Jesus Christ has sent His Holy Spirit to tell me you're a sinner that needs a Savior. To tell me there is a better way to live. You see, the life of the church is all about displaying the life of Jesus Christ. And the life of Jesus Christ was constantly bringing hope to the hurting, healing to the sick and the diseased, life to the dead, provision to the hungry, spiritual insight to those that were religiously bound. That's what the church should be doing as well. 
those very same things. And that's what it should look like in your heart and in mine. Because Jesus is alive, the ecclesia, the church is alive as well. Bow your heads with me across this room today. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. You're not a member of the Ecclesia. But today you can be. By simply saying and recognizing, I need a Savior. I can't save myself. Jesus, I acknowledge you are the Son of God who has come to forgive the sins of the world. I want you to come to my life and forgive me. That's you right where you're set across this room. No one's looking around, but you're going to raise your hand right now and you're going to say, Pastor, pray for me. Steve, pray for me. I want Jesus in my heart and in my life. Slip up your hand and hold it there. I'm going to wait just a moment until I acknowledge you. Yes, ma'am. Is there someone else? Slip up that hand and hold it there. Say, I want to become a part of the ecclesia, a part of the church. I want to be alive because Jesus is alive. Anyone else? You'll join this one young lady and say, that's me. Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning as I wait just a moment. You need Jesus to forgive you, to cleanse you, to come into your life. Anyone else? As I wait just a moment. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.